0: Good morning, men. Uh, I'm honored to have a chance to, to come and uh, share with you guys this morning. Uh, I, take it, I take it very seriously, but I wanna ask you this morning, uh, what is your greatest possession? Now, some of you guys have already looked ahead, so you're cheating on this part, but you see the very top of your page. It says, what is your greatest possession? I want you to think for just a moment, what is your greatest possession? Now, you might think it's it's your stock portfolio, you might think it's your 401k. You might think it's your car. You might think it's your house. You may say, oh, it's my kids. It's my wife. You know, you may, you may be one of those that you're, you're trying, to, trying to think in those realms, but I wanna ask you, maybe, maybe even uh, something special you've gotten from somebody, uh, maybe somebody famous or somebody uh, that was special to you, but I want you to think for just a second, what is your greatest possession? And write it in that blank. I'm gonna actually give you a second to think about what your greatest possession is, I want you to write it in that blank. No cheating, no looking ahead. Write down what you say is your greatest possession. All right we're going to talk for just a moment. About what I believe uh, is, is should be a man's greatest possession, or at worst, one of a man's greatest possessions, and that is integrity. Integrity. Integrity is one of your greatest possessions. Now we're gonna look in Psalm chapter 32. If you have uh, a Bible, you could turn there to Psalm chapter 32. That's where we're going to spend uh, almost all of our time this morning. We'll start there and we'll actually end there uh, this morning as we continue on. But there's a lot of different types of Psalms. As you know, if you've read through the Psalms, maybe you know there's a lot of different type of Psalms. There's, there's praise Psalms where God is lifted up, where he is worshiped, where, where uh, the psalmist is talking about who God is and it's written as a song. There's, there's, uh, there's, another, there's other songs or psalms that are written uh, that explain more about who God is, that explain God's judgment, that ask for God's judgment. Sometimes maybe they're even crying out for God just to respond. They're crying out for help. Different types of songs, different types of psalms that are written. The one we're gonna look at today is called a penitential psalm, a penitential psalm, or maybe a confession type of song. It's a, it's a reflection of the heart. It's a look, a deep look into the heart of the man, deep look into the heart of David. Here's what it, here's how it starts out. It says, Psalm 32, verse one, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. Now, there's nothing more important in life than being right with God. If you're filling in blanks, that's one of your blanks. There's nothing more important in life than being right with God. Have you ever had something done something wrong where you're terrified that you would be found out? Done something wrong where you're, you're just scared that you're going to be found out. And maybe, maybe you're like, yeah, I'm in that situation right now. Maybe you think back on a time that you were a kid. I want to point out a man has peace only if he has not practiced deceit. Deceit, that's one of your other blanks. A man has peace only if he has not practiced deceit. Now, we have this, this idea that, that when, we, when we've done something wrong and we have that feeling that we don't wanna be found out, I think back on a time that, that I remember this really vividly when I was a kid. Uh, there's been many other times in my life, I'm sure, but uh, when I was a kid, I remember uh, I was one of four kids, and one of the most important things we could ever control as one of four kids is the remote control, right? Some of you men saying, amen, that's right. Uh, I was controlling the remote control one day. And here's what happens sometimes in a house when you've got four kids, is even if you have control of the remote control, if you ever leave the television, it is fair game, right? And so there was a time, that it, when, I was a, when I was a kid, I had control of the remote. And I had to go to the bathroom. And so I needed to make sure that in some way I could maintain control of this remote. Now, I don't know how I knew this as a little kid, but I knew that I shouldn't take it into the bathroom with me. That was inappropriate. So what I did, this is back in the day of of VHS tapes, right? Like a little kid, okay? And I take one of those little sleeves that those things came in. I don't know why. I put the remote in that sleeve. And then I lifted up one of the couch cushions, like not the bottom cushion, but like the flip-up cushion, and I set the, that sleeve in there, and then I closed it down and went to the restroom. Problem was, I forgot that I had done that, and I forgot to even come back to the television. So a little bit later in the day, my, my, you know, my dad's home, everybody's home, and, and everybody's going, where's the remote control? They're looking in the couch cushions and stuff. Of course, they're looking in the bottom couch cushions where it could have fallen, right? And, and I, I kind of had this moment where I realized, I know exactly where it is. And I'm about to get in trouble if, I, if anybody sees where this thing is. And so I kind of wait for the right time, right? Everybody's kind of looking around, trying to figure out where it is. It's gotta be somewhere around here. Everybody's looking around, and I'm just afraid that in some way I'm gonna get in trouble. And so I wait for the right time nobody's looking, and I lift up the couch cushion, pull it out real quick, sit down on the couch, and I go, here it is. And my dad goes, where was that? Because we've all looked over there. And I said, well, it was in this thing and under here, and, and I tried to play it off like I hadn't done anything wrong, right? And they said, did you put it there? Nope. And I don't know why my parents believed me, But they knew if it wasn't me, it had to have been either my older brother or my older sister. And so my older brother and older sister got in trouble for that one. But I remember this feeling of being terrified that I was gonna be found out. I was scared that I was going to be found out. Here's why. Because I had a guilty conscience and I was afraid of the consequences. I had a guilty conscience. I was afraid of the consequences. I was afraid that I was gonna be found out because I knew what I had done even if nobody else did. Now, you probably remember times in your life too where you've done something maybe when you were a kid and your parents come home and you don't know why, but you feel like they know. And you, don't, you don't know why, but you feel like they're looking at you different. Or maybe you walk into a place and you feel like everybody around you knows what you've done and you, don't, you, you know that they don't know what you've done, but you just feel like that. It's called a guilty conscience. And I had a guilty conscience and I was afraid of consequences and we cannot have peace it's a terrible place to be we can't have peace when we walk and live with that guilty conscience and if you live in this constant state of guilt it's going to be coupled all the time with fear and insecurity now I just finished doing my taxes. Some of you guys are, are early birds. Usually I am, but for some reason, this, this year just kind of kept sneaking up uh, and I had most of it done. but There was a, one part that we still had to do some paperwork on and I hadn't finished my taxes, so I finished them uh, this last weekend. At the last moment, finished them. Now I think about, when I think about this guilty conscience, when I think about not wanting to be found out, I think about a, a season like this, a tax season now. Uh, you you may be a lot smarter than me. I don't understand all the tax codes and all the tax details, but here's what I do when I do my taxes. I do everything I can to make sure if they look at what I'm doing, they're gonna say, oh yeah, there's no way he's cheating on this right? I don't, I don't, I'm not like pushing the limits. I'm not trying to get like every single penny of, uh, of tax write-off I can because I'm a, af- I'm partially afraid that if some, if something happened that I, because I don't understand what I'm actually doing, that they could actually come after me. And so I just say, you know what? I'm, I'm confident if I'm going to claim, you know, items that I've donated and stuff, I'm always claiming like the cheapest version of the items I've donated. Like you can have like a really nice shirt or you can have like a really cheap shirt. And I'm always like, Yeah, that t-shirt is probably worth eight cents. Yeah, we'll go with that one. I'm trying in every way I can. But imagine for a second you cheat on your taxes. You cheat on your taxes and all of a sudden, one day in your email, you're checking your email and it says IRS. What are you immediately gonna feel? What are you gonna do in that moment? First of all, I'm hoping you don't open that email because the IRS will never email you and it's a fraud, okay? But, but even, even in that moment, if you know it's a fraud and you know that they're never gonna email you and ask you for money or they're never gonna tell you, you know, the IRS needs your money because a prince from somewhere said that you, you, know, you won something, I don't know, you know, even if you know that that's true, if you just see IRS because you've got that guilty conscience, immediately you're overwhelmed, with this guilt and fear of something being wrong because you're carrying this lack of integrity in what you do. You live in fear of being found out. Verse three, when you live in that, here's what happens. David says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. And if you're a Christ follower, then you understand this feeling because it's impossible to live and be okay with sin in your life, with a lack of integrity. It's impossible to live and be okay with it. It says, day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. When you don't have integrity You walk with that guilty conscience. But when you have integrity, you can experience the peace of being in right standing with God. That's why it's so important to be in right standing with God. Proverbs says, a righteous man sleeps securely, satisfied and untouched by evil. Now, I wanna play a game for just a second. This isn't a game where anybody's gonna have to stand up. It's just a game of name association, okay? Name association, you just, you just think of this person, I'm gonna say a name, you just think in your mind, whatever you think about that person. Jose Canseco. Mark McGuire. Alex Rodriguez. Barry Bonds. Lance Armstrong. Now I know what every one of you are thinking with those names. You're thinking they are the greatest athletes in their sport, right? That's what all of you are thinking because they were incredible athletes in their sport. That's what all of you are thinking, right? Absolutely not. Because all of their accomplishments, all of their achievements are overshadowed by one thing, a massive hole in their integrity and how they got there. It doesn't matter how good they are, it doesn't matter what they've done. You can look at all the records and they're always gonna have the little asterisk by them, right? Every single one of them, all of those guys, and they were some of the greatest of all time in their sports. But because of, they got there with a lack of integrity, even if it was just one time, which we all kind of know that wasn't the case, but even if it was just one time, they're always gonna have that. Sammy Sosa in one corked bat, even if he only swung it one time and it broke, it questions everything else that's happened in his life. If he swung a bat one, literally one time in his entire career and they found out it was corked, everything else is, is, is completely diluted. Everything else is completely contaminated by that one hole in his integrity. They could have been Some of the greatest of all time, but because they lacked integrity, it changed everything. Your integrity is not just what you have, it's what you are. Maybe another way to say it is it's who you are. Because I just gave you a name association, and you could talk about all these these athletes and you could talk about all of their achievements. But when you think about who they are, when every one of you men who know the names of these guys think about who they are, you're not thinking about their amazing achievements. You're thinking about that massive hole in their integrity. We live in an interesting world today. Because no matter what stage of life you're in, especially in vocations and and, in your job, no matter what stage of life you're in, in so many different ways, if you'll just... Put your integrity aside for a moment. You can actually advance further and faster than if you hold on to your integrity. That's that's the world that we live in. That we live in, in. Whether you're on the top of your organization, at the bottom of your organization, anywhere in between, as you go through your daily life, every time you have an opportunity and a test of your integrity. And every one of those tests, you have to answer the question. If I if I live in integrity, if I walk in integrity in this moment, one of the questions that I know happens is what's it going to cost me? What if, you know, what if I just kind of just kind of sidestep it just a little bit. I mean, everybody else has to do this to get ahead. Look at all the people in front of me. They have to set aside their integrity for just a minute. They have to put it aside just a little bit to be able to get ahead. And and we start to justify it even because of some of the ways that it happens around us. And it's so easy to begin to bend our integrity. And when we bend our integrity, it automatically breaks. Because we all know that an integer is a whole number. And that's where integrity comes from. It talks about being a whole. So, when we lose our integrity, we lose our testimony. When you and I lose our integrity, we lose our testimony. Because for many of you, you're going to have temptations to make your way to the top of the organization, the company, and you're going to have all these different tests of your integrity as you go through your daily life. For each and every one of us, we're going to have these tests of our integrity. Some of us are gonna have them dozens of times. Some of us are gonna have them hundreds of times. Some of us are gonna have them thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times. We have these tests day in and day out, but when we give in, it ruins our testimony. A loss of integrity is a loss of testimony. It doesn't just take away your testimony. It takes away everything that matters. Sin will take away everything that matters, How many of you know some men who've thrown away what they want most for what they want in a moment? You know so many men that you get to see it. We make that trade far too often. When we, if we would just pause for a second and then say this is what we want most. And we could look back, we would say I would never make that trade. Every one of us probably has something in our life where we say you know what, if I could go back I would never make that trade again. We see it all the time where men are making the trade of their integrity for what they want in a fleeting moment. And the problem is, Satan always pays in counterfeit money. 100% of the time, he always pays in counterfeit money. When we fall into sin, we end up paying for it. When we live in integrity, it ends up paying us. When you live in integrity, you get paid back for it. It pays off instead of you having to pay through the nose and a whole lot worse. So when it comes to sin in our life, for all of us, I encourage you to catch it early. And I'm moving through some of these things very quickly, but catch it early early. James chapter one says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and they are enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin, when it is full full grown, gives birth to death. And I picture this all the time as as a fishing kind of picture, right? When we give into temptation, that Satan's throwing this lure out there and he wants to reel us in. So here's what we have to do. We have to catch it early. Before sin lures us in, we grab a hold of it and we take it out of our lives. We say, I'm not not going after that. I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to run from that. I'm gonna flee from that. I'm not going that direction. I'm not stepping. I'm not even entertaining the idea of compromising my integrity. We have to catch it early. Here's what happens when we do. Psalm chapter 32, verse five, says, then I acknowledged my sin to you. He talked about when I hid my sin, here's what happened. My body wasted away. Your hand was heavy on me. And then he says this. He says, then I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me. You forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely, The rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Righteousness and wickedness start with a similar act. Obedience. You're taking notes. That's one of your blanks. Start with a similar act. Righteousness and wickedness both start with obedience. One obeys God and the other obeys the flesh. Now, as I thought through this a little bit, um, even again into, into last night, I began to think, as men, we like control. We like to have control. We like to be in control. We don't like being out of control. We like control. But it's interesting to begin to think about that righteousness and wickedness, actually both of those things begin with obedience. They begin with submission, 100% of the time, whether you're walking in righteousness or you're walking in obedience, you are submitting anyways. So you have to choose what you're going to submit to. And none of us kind of like that idea. We like to say, you know, I'm in control of what I do. But really, we're either going to submit to our fleshly desires or we're going to submit to God. And a lot of times when we submit to our fleshly desires, we like to think of it or we prefer to think of it as though we have control. I can just do this. I can do it my own way. I can do, live my life this way. But really, we're submitting to something so much We're so much on the opposite opposite side of who God is. We can submit to God and we can walk in freedom or we can submit to the flesh and we'll begin to obey the flesh and walk in this direction and it changes everything. But they both start with an act of obedience to one or the other. We make a choice every day. Men who compromise their integrity have a public life and a private life. That's the next thing. Men who compromise their integrity have a public life and a private life, and every one of us understands what that is. We understand that that means that we look one way, but we know that there's something else, that we're trying to hide something else we don't want anyone to know, something we don't want anyone else to see, or maybe we kind of think of it, maybe we've got this church life and this work life, right? Right? We live two separate lives, and we talked about uh, integrity and being whole. Here's what integrity is. It's being who you seem to be. Integrity is being who you seem to be. So if you come to church on a, on a Sunday or a Wednesday morning, and you look a certain way, but you say, you know, when I go out, I don't, I don't live that certain, same way. I don't talk that same way. I don't act that same way. And When I'm around these people, you know, we call it, and, and uh, even our president called it locker room talk. Right? We talk different when we're in a certain place. It's called a lack of integrity. There's no such thing as locker room talk. It's just called talk. And when you talk, it shows who you are. When we talk, it shows who we are. There's no such thing as my work life and my private life. There's no such thing as my home life and my church life. It's all a part of one whole thing of who we are. And the worst part of any of those spheres, any of those realms or any other realm you may step into is still who you are. Because integrity is a whole piece. It's a whole piece. Integrity is your greatest possession because without it, you can never become the man God intends you to be. Without integrity, we, you and I, will never become the man God intends us to be. Let me say it a little different, though. With integrity, as we walk humbly with God, he can do anything. And you and I can begin to experience who God created us to be when we walk in integrity. So men, hold on to it with everything you've got. Some of you may feel like you're barely hanging on, like you're on the edge of a cliff and you're just hanging on for dear life trying not to fall into the abyss of a lack of integrity because it's going to take one slip to fall into that abyss. Hang on with everything you've got. That's why it's important to have other men around you. That's why it's important to have other Christian men. That's why, to be honest with you, I am so excited that each of you are here. That's why, to be honest with you, I wish that every other chair in this room was full of men because we need each other. We need each other, the encouragement of each other because the game of life, if you're writing it down, the game of life is rigged. It's rigged. There's a couple ways to think about what that means. I think of, of Las Vegas. We all know um, that, that Vegas, we've heard it a million times, right? They don't, they don't have these beautiful casinos because they're losing money. We all, we all have heard that, we all know that and, and maybe, maybe you like to go to, to Vegas and, and spend a little money and, and play or whatever, and you may say, well, I've come out on top overall. Here's what happens in Vegas. They, if you go in there and you start dropping some money and you start winning, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna kick you out because they don't want you to win? They're gonna get you drunk, that's right. They're gonna get you drunk and they're gonna wine and dine you. And they might even put you up in a nice room because they know 100% of the time, eventually, they're gonna get their money back from you and more. If they can just keep you there, and so all they're trying to do is just wet your palate of winning a little bit. They're okay if you win lots of money because they know that that's probably gonna bring you back and you're gonna lose all that money and then you're gonna lose a whole lot more money because you're playing in their house by their rules, on their tables, on their machines, with their dealers. The game is rigged. And when we try to play the game of this world, we lose. And Satan wants us to believe that we can win. And he even kind of maybe lets us have certain feelings of, oh, you, you won that, man, you've got this. And then what happens is we end up losing in the long run. And we look back and we say, I just wasted all that. And it was all because we had an appetite. We thought we could win. But the game of life is rigged. Let me maybe say it from the other side. God has set up this world, and He's created certain laws, and I'm not talking about legal laws. I'm talking about there are certain things that He's set up, and we don't get to work around those things. If I go to the top of this building and I jump off, I'm 100% certain I'm going to fall because there are certain laws that He set up, and I don't get to work around even what God has set up. Get away from just how the world has it set up. God has set it up. When we walk away from him, guess what? That game is rigged too. We're gonna walk away from him, whether whether we feel like we're walking to something else. When we walk away from him, it causes problems in our life, period, 100% of the time, because he set it up that way. Because he's created you and me to be closely in relationship with him to be deeply in relationship with him. And so when we're not, it causes problems in our, in our life. Starting in verse eight, here's what happens. As we walk through this, this world and this minefield of integrity, it says this, this is God speaking now or kind of the psalmist speaking on behalf of God. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving heart eye on you as we walk through this minefield we all need to walk closely with God we all need his counsel we all need his guidance and we all need it because we know that he's got his loving eye on us as a father for a child say hey watch out for that hey don't step on that hey don't run into that road there's cars that are going to knock you down and it could be destructive for your entire life I'm not going to let you go that way and if you'll walk with me we're going to go this way Do not be like the horse or mule, which have no understanding, verse 9, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. It is always best, last blank, always best to walk with God. It is always best to walk with God. Here's what Bill Bright, he's the founder of Campus Crusade, he was asked a question, he said, what is the most important thing you've learned in 50 years? And here's how he said it, in in about two seconds he responded. He said, there are no happy carnal Christians and there are no unhappy obedient ones. There are no happy carnal Christians and there are no unhappy obedient ones. I'll finish with this. Talked about integrity being one or whole. I'll show you a picture of the most, uh, one of the most amazing ships of all time. We all know this boat, but the picture of integrity is like the picture of the hull, H U L L, the hull of a ship, the hull of a ship. Now this is one of the most magnificent boats in the entire world for as long as it's in one piece. But the moment there was a hole in the hole, it caused destruction. And it actually destroyed the lives of over 1,500 people in a single night because of one giant hole. Man, we walk through and we live in an ocean full of icebergs where every single day we're having to dodge icebergs, we're having to change direction, we're having to move different directions. And some people are boring full on, full ahead, they're pushing full steam ahead, trying to go because they say, if I go that direction, then that's gonna get me there. It doesn't matter what's in the way, but what happens when we do that is we have a hole. At work, at home, Everywhere you go, every site you're on, everything you listen to, every billboard you see, every movie you watch, every television show you turn on, every place you go and everywhere you go, everything you do, in every aspect of life, there are icebergs that, men, we have to avoid for the sake of keeping our ship whole. Because it's not just us that go down with the ship. Our employees go down with the ship. Our coworkers go down with the ship. Our family goes down with the ship. Our marriages go down with the ship. Our kids go down with the ship. It's not just us. Verse eight, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. When we walk with God, because it's always best to walk with God, we can experience full integrity. We can experience integrity and be men who live with integrity, be men who lead with integrity, men worth following, men who have integrity because we walk with God. Let's be men of integrity. Let's be men of integrity. Let's show some other men that need it. What integrity looks like. Let's show our kids what integrity looks like. Let's show our coworkers what integrity looks like. Let's show the people that work for us and the people that work above us, let's show them what integrity looks like. And it might not pay off as fast, but it pays off a million times more in the end. Let's be men of integrity. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you counsel and guide us through the landmines through the ocean full of icebergs that you want as we walk with you to guide us through those things. So God, may we walk with integrity. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to to close with something because all of us have heard stories. All of us have heard stories of, of men who've cheated their company, of men who've cheated on their wife, of guys who have cut corners to to get ahead, people who've lived with a lack of integrity, lived a private life and a public life that were entirely different. All of us have heard those stories about other men. But I wonder if there's maybe many of us in the room who that's not just a story you've heard, but maybe that's actually your story. And you walk in tonight and you say, "That's, that's my story. As much as I don't want anybody to know, I don't want anyone to find out, but it's actually my story. If that's you, I want to remind you of where we walked tonight through this scripture. Let me read this to you again. If it's actually your story, I think that would actually be true of all of us at times in our life, but if that's your story tonight, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. If you're living that way right now, you're feeling that. Verse five, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said to God, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. To that man, God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like a horse or a mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by a bit and bridle or they will not come. Many are the woes of the wicked but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad you righteous men. Sing all you who are upright in heart. Let's be men who lead lives of integrity. As we follow the Lord, let's be men that are worth following. The only way we do it is by having this heart, being willing to confess our sin when the time comes, walking humbly in obedience to the Lord so that we can be men of integrity. It'll change your life, change your home, change your job, it'll change this church. Let's be men of integrity. Let me pray for you. God, for every man in this room, I pray for integrity. And it only comes as they walk with you. So God, I pray that every one of these men would pursue you like never before in this next season of life. So that when they look back on this next season of life, they will say, blessed was my life because I walked with integrity before the Lord. God, they don't have to focus on any other area of their life. All they have to focus on is walking with you in every area of their life. So God, may that be true of each and every one of us. And I pray that for these men. And I pray that you would change homes. I pray that you would change their lives. I pray that you would bring all pieces together under obedience to you. And God, I pray that it would impact generations as you work through them and they become the men more and more as we become the men day to day that you've designed us to be. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.